This is the Online Resilience Tool podcast with me, Louisa Street, and Professor Andy Fitton. Music is by Rue Pescott. Hello and welcome to this shorter version of the Online Resilience podcast. These three podcasts are shorter versions of the ones in which Professor Andy Fitton and I discuss case studies around harmful, potentially harmful, and not harmful behaviours. We've edited them down to be shorter if you don't have the time for the hour-long versions. In this episode, Andy and I are talking about not harmful behaviours, which we can kind of split into two categories. The first is healthy behaviours, which are pro-social, so something which really encourages good engagement with the world. It could be staying in touch with distant family members, learning about a cause like Black Lives Matter, or learning skills that could improve employability like design or coding. Then we've got our not harmful behaviours which are perhaps less positive but still not considered damaging. So for example we can see that all social media is a waste of time which we could be spending more productively but it doesn't mean looking at it is inherently harmful. In this episode we'll be discussing four case studies so let's get started. Should we jump onto some some case studies to reflect on the healthy or not harmful or or just things that that fit into the um the, the not harmful category in the tool and and what we might do about them yeah brilliant so nadia is six she uses skype unsupervised to talk to her grandparents this one is interesting because she's unsupervised um we've said that that is not harmful it's fine for her to just be chatting on skype to her grandparents who may live overseas or they may mm-hmm. be a long way away or they might just be in lockdown and they might only live 200 metres down the road, but they can't go and visit it. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily expect Nadia to be able to set up the call on her own. I would yeah. expect that probably mum or dad or, or a carer or an older sibling has been involved in helping her start the call. But once she's on the call with her grandparents, it's fine. And, mm-hmm. and we're, not, we're not potentially worried about that, that conversation being unsupervised. Now, uh, again... Seeing Skype can potentially start alarm bells ringing because you do hear about Skype being used for, for grooming and, and those sorts of things. But but equally, Skype is a fairly secure environment where you can't just have strangers wanting to talk to you. You, know, you have to establish a connection and accept a connection and similar. So, so yeah, it's one of those things where context is everything. As with an awful lot of safeguarding, you can't just go, right, that's bad, that's good. So the fact that, as you say, it's unlikely that Nadia has got up, decided to go and grab one of the iPads from around the place, and um, set so the Skype call and, and choose from a massive list of people that um, the grandparents and the people they want to talk to. And, you know, there's I, I really don't see a problem with them using communication devices to communicate with their grandparents. So I mean, I suppose there is something sort of interesting there. I can remember when I was younger, one of my cousins phoned 999. <laughs> <laughs> inappropriately um and there was a you know there was a big hoo-ha in the family about, <laughs> oh, they picked up the phone they dialed 999 and then just left it off the hook and then the ambulance showed up um which you know is not not ideal and you know is, is obviously a waste of of the time of the emergency services however i suppose we need to be aware that the same thing could happen if you have facetime set up on a device the same mm-hmm. thing could easily happen that a child could pick up a device they could open facetime and call yeah. somebody and so again it's that awareness of 
whether the child's using the device, what what are the parental controls that are set up on the device. It's not just a one-size-fits-all, parental controls on, I don't need to think about this anymore. You need to think about what can be done. Um, If you don't have people on your FaceTime or on your Skype contacts, then they're not just going to be able to easily call those people. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a really good point in that if there are sort of family devices, then, you know, make sure they've got locks on them, make sure you're not doing adult things on family devices that they might be able to follow <laughs> up on and those sorts of things. Um, you know, we're not here to judge, but at the same time, don't do it on the family iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just that reminder that actually being able to call someone isn't a new thing. No. You know, phones have been around for a long time, yeah. and and so yeah, there are risks that a child could phone nine nine nine. But yeah, you think about your own Skype contacts or your own FaceTime contacts, and think, are there people that you wouldn't want your kids contacting? Well, if that's the case, make sure the device is locked and similar. But but I'm trying to think whether my Skype contacts or FaceTime there. There's no one. There's no one on there. It's <laughs> yeah. calling as well. So yeah. Yeah, I think I, I've more struggled to add people than the other way around. <laughs> Oh, I, I use Skype so rarely now. It's like, oh man, what's my password? All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many other devices. There's so many other ways, particularly post COVID. Yeah. Mo- moving on, let's let's do a, a gaming one. So Marcus is ten, and in a part of the team in World of Warcraft that is mainly made up of older children. Gaming obviously sets some some folk on edge. Um, I've spent an awful lot of time talking to gamers over the years. Most gamers are extremely likable extremely uh, articulate, passionate young people who just like playing games. There are some issues in terms of the environment they might be in, but that's more to do with the communication than it is specifically with, with the game or, or the content within the game. So per se, I really don't see that there's anything too problematic with Marcus being in a gaming group. But it might be interesting or rather it might be good if, if parents were... Um, vetting the older children um, and then maybe listening in on, on calls as well because one aspect of gaming that, that can get a little bit full on is the the, the language, the the aggression, the um, legitimised homophobia <laughs> and, and those sorts of things as well. So so it's not something where I go, oh, Marcus, do you want to go and play World of Warcraft with your mates in your room for five hours? I'll see you at dinner time. <laughs> um, you know, it, it might be something where you, you would be part of it, but, but playing World of Warcraft with other children, I don't see anything potentially uh, particularly harmful about that per se. Yeah, and I think it's that context again of like what else is going on? Is yeah. there suddenly secretive behaviour around this? Is there a change in behaviour? Has Marcus gone from being very confident and outgoing to being very shy and withdrawn? That might be an indicator that something's wrong, but um, the idea of playing a game, a remote game with older children, isn't necessarily harmful in itself. I mean, that's one of the things. An awful lot of games now have, have interactive elements to them and multiplayer elements to them. It's the reason I stopped playing video games is because I got sick of being beaten by 10-year-olds <laughs> in games. Because, you know, when, when you've been playing video games for as long as I have and then you're getting absolutely spanked by a 10-year-old, it's just terrible. So, but, but, you know, it, it's a different form of gaming these days, which is not part of my world. It used to be all very single player and things. But, but Games are set up so people can interact. You know, if you look at World of Warcraft, you look at Fortnite, you look at Minecraft, there's nothing particularly wrong with that. What's, as we say, particularly problematic is if they're doing it in isolation. It goes back to, again, fundamental aspects of safeguarding. Well, 
you wouldn't stick him in the playground and say, I'm popping to the pub, I'll come back in four hours, make sure you don't speak to anyone that's dodgy. <laughs> you know, you, you, you will hopefully have some level of supervision around that um, leisure activity in the same way that this is a leisure activity and there should be some level of supervision around that as well, just in case someone does get abusive or someone does start um, um, saying, you know, completely age-inappropriate things or, or whatever, but they might just be a... A bunch of um, young people who like playing World of Warcraft and want to build a, a village together or something. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're a professional working with a family where this is happening, then those are the checkboxes to go through in your mind. Like, are the parents aware? Is the child playing for long periods on their own? Um, that might change where you situate this, um, whether it's potentially harmful um, or not harmful, but. Um, yeah, just, just knowing that a child is playing it doesn't make it a harmful behaviour. And I think as well, I mean, is, does Marcus know that if something upsetting does happen within the gaming group, they can talk to a parent about it or can talk to a teacher about it and, you know, they're not going to get into trouble as a result of it. So is Marcus aware of whether they can disclose? Is he aware maybe of how to block someone on that game as well? These are all things that, that you might do with Marcus to sort of like involve him in it and make him realise that it's not, something that is isolated from the carers, the, the adult world. It's something where he can talk to them about it and it won't just be, oh, well, you're just wasting your time on games anyway. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, we could we could sort of wax lyrical about the amazing things that gaming can teach young people, like, yeah. um, you know, they might learn some coding-type skills, they might learn some design skills, they might just learn some teamwork skills, they yeah. might learn how you put together a civilization you know there's all of these different things that that you can learn through games um so we could sort of really see this could be an incredibly positive thing yeah. for a young person you know my son and his mates all got into ip networking and port forwarding and stuff because they wanted to run their own minecraft server uh, a few years ago now um and so they had to understand these things and how you how you enable this stuff through a firewall so it's all you know it's all good all good stem skills Right, so moving on then. So, so we have a a, a one that that again can raise alarm bells. Reggie is fifteen and, and lives in a rurally isolated area, and he uses digital technology to send intimate and romantic messages to other young men. Yep, I'm sure he does, and many, many millions of other fifteen-year-olds are doing exactly the same sorts of things. Now, obviously, we need to be aware of. Whether it is people he knows, whether it's people he doesn't know, whether they are people of his own age, uh, again, whether he is uh, in an environment where if something upsetting or concerning happened, he'd be able to speak to someone about it. But, but should we be concerned that a 15 year old is using digital technology to send um, uh, romantic messages to people he finds attractive? No, I don't think we should be concerned about that. Absolutely, yeah. And if Reggie doesn't have um, a good support network around him, he could be more vulnerable doing this online, but the solution then would be to say, let's make sure he's got a good support network around yeah. him, um, rather than let's stop him doing what is a very normal thing for a young person that age to be doing. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with all of these healthy and not harmful behaviours, there's some great opportunities to have conversations with young people in a really positive way. Yeah. This doesn't, it shouldn't be a lecture. It shouldn't be a case of sitting Reggie down and saying, look, here are all the risks from online <laughs> dating. 
yeah. but talking to him and and finding out what his experience has been and um praising him for any um positive steps he's taken around his own well-being in that sort of environment and then also you know making sure that he's aware of what he can do to stay safe and to get support if he needs it and to deal with problems if they arise yeah now giving him the confidence that, that he can disclose without thinking he's going to get in trouble as a result of it you know it's just a, it's just a fundamental thing and um talking of risky behavior and a, a potential favorite of mine do you want to do they the, the last one there yeah, okay, so a group of 17-year-old girls is talking about a meagle, uh, and they say, when you've seen one penis, you've seen them all, in reference to the number of times the app would connect them with someone masturbating. Um, so a meagle is a website that links you up to other people who are wanting to chat using a webcam. Um, there used to be one called Chat Roulette, and then that went out of fashion and now it's a meagle there's another one as well that's been doing the rounds recently i can't remember what it's called there's a few now a meagle still seems to be the the, the king do you know why chat roulette went out of favor why was that because it started to be self-policed so when when someone connected and it was someone masturbating you could report it and their ip address would get blocked so oh. so so basically the wankers went elsewhere <laughs> Um, yeah, they they cleaned up their act. So 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 no, uh, it's it's one that I've had many amusing conversations with young people around. Um, two or three years ago, I was asked to do a, a year eight assembly um, in a in a school in Cornwall. Um, so I sent the slides over, and um, the the guy who'd booked me phoned back and went, "Oh, can you not talk about sexting? Why do you want me to talk about sexting? Because we had someone in to talk about sexting last year. One of the parents went absolutely bananas about it." Um, saying you shouldn't be talking about sexing at that age. And I went, well, you know, given that I spend an awful lot of time looking at this area, it's absolutely the age we need to be talking about this sort of thing. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to not cover sexting. And besides, if anyone wants to talk to me about why we're covering it, they're very welcome to send me an email. So delivered the assembly. It was all fine. Young people are filtering out. Uh, one young man comes up to me and goes, Hey, sir. Yeah. How old do we have to be to go on Eagle then? And I went, oh, don't go on Amigle, mate, it's grim. <laughs> and he laughed <laughs> He laughed and walked off, and the teacher said to me, what's Amigle? Um, so I was booked in to do staff training a week later, so I went on to Amigle and did the first 10 screen grabs I saw, um, and then put them into a slide um, for staff to see the sorts of things that happen on Amigle. Um, and literally, no, no, no word of a lie, no fabrication, I literally just screen grabbed the first 10 people, because... Basically, you go on Amigle, there's a strap line that says talk to strangers, um, and you see someone and you can choose to talk to them or you can choose to click and then it connects you to someone else in random. And of the first 10 people that, that I saw to talk to, seven were, were men masturbating and three were confused looking teenagers, <laughs> which made for a, a cracking staff training session. But going back to this point, should 17 year old girls be, be going onto Amigle and talking about that sort of thing? Yeah, it's something they do, and 17 year old males do as well. And it, it is quite just, oh, geez, when you, when you sort of go on it. And you, you do have to, um, wonder about the mindset. And it is generally males where they go, all right, I can connect my webcam to someone anywhere in the world. I know what I'll do. I'll stop masturbating. That's just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I find that quite bizarre, but, but a hell of a lot of people do it. Um, so, you know, they talk about this sort of thing amongst friends and then, you know, it becomes a, a mythical thing and they want to go and check it out. So Yeah, 
Uh, and they, the fact that, you know, they're all talking about it, it doesn't mean that they're all using it all the time. It doesn't mean that they've all been exposed to that. It doesn't mean that any of them are reciprocating with that sort of behaviour. Yeah. It probably warrants a bit of a conversation about that sort of thing. And, and possibly you might feel compelled to be like, why? Why did you go on it? It sounds awful. Um, but that, you know, that doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be a lecture. It doesn't have to be, you know, immediately panicking and, and safeguarding because you don't know that they're actually using it. They're just sort of making comments that this is what those sort of sites are like. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, let's face it, a lot of people of that age are accessing and using pornography as well. This is the adult world. It is for for some aspects of of that that world fairly normal you know people who are on tinder tell me you got to expect the dick pics those sorts of things a friend of mine stores a puppy in her image gallery so whenever she gets a dick pic and they send send me something cute back she sends them a picture of a puppy um but, <laughs> but you know the, these are things about you know growing up in a in a in a, in a world like this and, and you know mm. what they're doing is you know, not the sort of thing I'd have done when I was seventeen, but but equally, it's not unusual, and and they seem to be sufficiently savvy about it to to know what's going on. It's not something where they've gone onto this thing called Omegle and something shocking happened. You don't go onto Omegle to chat to people about Minecraft. No, and interestingly, this case study came from a conversation I had with a former manager who had been in a school giving a talk about sex education and this was a comment from one of the young women and this probably happened about 10 years ago mm-hmm. so you know it's still relevant today it's still happening today but it's not new and I think when you think you know those 17 year old girls are now 27 yeah they they could be teachers they could be <laughs> social workers so they may be very well aware of what those sort of sites um are like and I think you know that that thing about our personal values is really key. And and I think with the not harmful behaviours, it's probably the most difficult aspect of it. And and one of the reasons for having the not harmful category in the tool, because there are going to be things that make us feel uncomfortable as professionals. If a 15 year old tells me they're watching porn, as a human being, I don't feel very good about that. Mm -hmm. But it's not um, it's not necessarily a harmful behaviour if they're a 15 year old watching regular mainstream Mm -hmm. porn that's very normal and although I might not like it and I might not be happy that that's what is normal now that is the reality and I don't want to start being like oh my god phone the Mary (laughs) (laughs) because that young person isn't ever going to talk to me again I can remember I can remember once being in a boys school talking about some stats with with a bunch of I think they were um year nines um, talking about some stats going well there's, there's been this survey that's come out I think it was the EU Kids Online survey that said around 40% of people your age look at porn and they all laughed and went yeah and the rest um, <laughs> uh, and then one young man went well I don't look at porn and they all looked at him and went really? you know <laughs> um, and then they had this kind of interesting conversation about why that was and stuff but yeah you know it's it's something that I have written at length about age verification systems and why they're a rubbish idea and how they don't work and things not because I want young people of that age to look at porn, but I know they do. Um, mm. and, and if we decide that, oh, we've got the technical measures in place now, so we don't have to worry about that anymore, they can't do it. That's an incredibly naive and adultist perspective to take on this sort of thing, because they will get around them, they will access pornography, and we don't do any education around it at all, because 
as adults, we find it too icky to deal with. Mm. So, so no, it's absolutely something that, you know, and there are still some things on occasions now where I go, what's that? Maybe a new <laughs> new dating site or something else occurring, um, or even terminology that you know that left it left on red was something that um, I discovered the other day, which you know isn't something that I use in my parlance. But if someone, right. if you can, <laughs> if you can see that someone's received your message and you've got the two blue ticks and they haven't responded, that's leading someone on red. Apparently, who knows? It's the most hurtful thing when it's your mum. <laughs> <laughs> The chances of my mother using WhatsApp. <laughs> my dad sent me a picture of his sofa once by accident, but that's as close as my parents got. He was trying to send my brother a picture of something or other. I can't remember, but yeah, I just got a picture of the sofa. Yeah, I, I think we, we, we talk a lot in these podcasts around the fact that it's not a shameful thing to say, oh, I'm not sure what that is, what's that? Or can, And then you go, oh, that's the same as that, or that's like that, and, you know. Then you start to have a conversation with young people about these sorts of things, and they realise that you're not going to say, "Right, that's bad. Don't do it." Okay, that pretty much brings us to the end of the shorter podcast on the not harmful and healthy behaviours. Um, you can check out our feed for the other short versions of the potentially harmful and harmful behaviours as well. Thanks for listening. Okay.